Blog Talk Radio. Live from Chicago and Las Vegas, you're tuned in to the show that's always on top of what's trending. It's Page One with LaVar and Mary on Blog Talk Radio. Radio Nation, welcome back to another edition of Page One with LaVar and Mary for this Friday night, February 18th, 2022. So glad to be with you. Um, it has been, I think this week we could actually say it's kind of been a little bit of a quick week. Uh, normally most weeks goes by a little slow, but this week has gone by and the Super Bowl is over. Um, so football's over. Um Spring training is supposed to have began, but that's not happening. Uh, the Olympics is still kind of going on, and uh, you got basketball and hockey, um, kind of. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you got nothing to do this weekend, we, yeah, kind of. So, uh, in some way, I hope that when you began the weekend, you're beginning it with us. Uh, we're here every Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time. 9 p.m. Central, and of course, I'm always joined by my wonderful friend, Mary. How are you? I'm good. Um, it was a good week for me, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. Just kind of mm-hmm. hit, chilling out, possibly going to be working on, uh, while we're talking, some little crafty things. Yeah, good for you. You know, uh, usually before the show, a few minutes before the show, Mary and I are talking, and I told her that I was excited because it was announced today uh, that Paul McCartney's coming back on his uh, North American tour. And I was telling her some of the spots that he's making. Uh, he will be uh, – tickets actually go on sale on Tuesday. Um, <clears throat> and some of the spots that he's going to, he, he will do two dates uh, at uh, beginning uh, end of April, beginning of May uh, in Washington State. He'll be in Spokane, uh, and then he'll be in Seattle for two shows, and then he'll be in Oakland – on May 6th, Los Angeles on the 13th. He'll be in Fort Worth, Texas uh, on May 17th. He'll be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, then Hollywood, Florida, Orlando, Knoxville, Tennessee, Syracuse, New York, Boston, Baltimore, Maryland, and then East Rutherford, uh, wrapping that up in June, just in time before his 80th birthday. Um, So, yeah. And... um, I'm kind of excited. I, I, I smell a trip coming. I don't know. I, I saw Paul McCartney a few years ago, and I will tell you, it was such an awesome show. It started at around, I think, 7.15, 7.20 in the evening, and he was still going strong. I think if you had given him time, he was still going strong about 11.05 p.m. That was when the show ended, almost four hours, and not once did he leave the stage. He left it once, and it was toward the end uh, to let his band kind of like, you know, bask in the spotlight and play. 
and he came back out wearing this jacket with an American flag in it, and um, he was only gone for like maybe a minute. And um, and at that time, like I said, a few years ago, and to do an almost four-hour show, it's insane. You know, you get most artists, especially people who are like established, and they not only are late, uh, but they will probably give you 90 minutes and then you're done. So <laughs> you got your money's worth if you go to a Paul McCartney concert. I'll put it that way. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I'm so happy I can say that I've, I've been to one. Um, yeah, I actually want to go to another one now. But uh, we'll see. We shall see. He's coming to a town hopefully near you. Uh, but besides that this week, um, the only things that I think that uh, we could say besides the Super Bowl and the aftermath of some of the things with that um, was interesting to see the reactions to the halftime performance and the bump that, you know, I will say this week, I've seen so much from people who have talked about uh, how it to their youth Um and listening to that music and, you know, kind of how they fell in love with it again and how they were happy that the NFL is finally acknowledging uh, hip-hop and rap uh, for a Super Bowl performance. And now the question comes up is that now that they've acknowledged that, what's the next thing that they should acknowledge? And no, I'm not going to make Mary do a top five of people who should perform a Super Bowl. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) But I thought – in years past, Super Bowl used to do bands, and with the and if it, and I said I think I told Mary if it goes back down into the South like in Atlanta or something like that, I think the halftime performance should be some of the bands from the HBCUs. If you don't know what HBCU is, the historically black college or university, because they have been known to have their battle of the bands and probably have some of the best bands in college. I know you're all going to say that school, Ohio State, has a good marching band, but they don't have nothing on some of those bands from the HBCUs. (laughs) I think compared to them, Ohio State's band would probably be like uh, orchestra. The HBCU band would be like that band This is one of those times when I will go against what I normally do, which is knock the Ohio State anything. Um, They do have a really good marching band. Would I put them up against an HBCU? Maybe, but not necessarily necessarily winning. They're very, very good, though. Overall, very, very good, and you could tell they get some of that influence from the HBCUs. If a Super Bowl goes to the South, though, you're not going to have the Ohio State marching band at halftime. God, no, no, gosh, no. no I guarantee gosh, you no. it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Maybe if the Super Bowl went to Indiana or in Indianapolis, you could probably do it. Uh, but, no, that ain't going to happen. So uh, I think in the South they would probably do that, and they'd probably bring out some of the uh, hip-hop artists from, like, the South that are popular. Now that you did the West Coast, uh, you probably have to do the East Coast, but we'll see what what happens with that. But uh, 
besides that, it's just been a weird week. Um, weird by – it really hasn't been like a story that has demanded this week, uh, like in weeks past. Because I think it's like that winter kind of just like – we're in that winter stage now where stuff is a little quiet until maybe springtime, um, spring or summer. At least let's hope so. But uh, no, uh, <laughs> weather here has been snowy. Uh, I know out to the west it has been quite warm. Uh, it was warm on mm-hmm. Super Bowl Sunday out in California. I think it has been warm a little bit or mild in your neck of the woods, windy and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, beyond that, oh, I know we normally do shout-outs at the end of the evening, but one quick shout-out. Uh, to my wonderful co-host here who did something this past weekend. She's modest, um, but she has completed another color run for the books. And whether you do a 5K, 10K, 20K, it's still an accomplishment. Uh, But I know you had a lot of fun, and it's something that I've done once with you here in Chicago. Um, It's something that I think a lot of people don't really – did, did you get – I didn't even ask you, but was there a lot of people out there racing this weekend? Surprisingly, yes. Surprisingly, yes. There was a lot of people. They did keep it limited. It was a smaller event, or a smaller event than in years past. Um, in years past, you're looking at, you know, 10,000 people sometimes. But uh, we were only – I think they limited it to five. Um, but there was a lot of people, um, more than I expected. And it it was a great weekend. The last time the color run came to Las Vegas, it was raining. Like, we got done with our 5K that year, and then it started to just pour down rain. Um, this year mm-hmm. was sunny. It was bright. It was a lot, you know, it was the perfect temperature to go out. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. It was it was a really good run, and I had a good time. Um I got to stick around for a little bit and, you know, get to uh, go into the uh, the color pit basically at the very end and celebrate with all the rest of the people that finish. So that was great. <laughs> and I beat my personal best. So uh, I did get – I got in uh, with the walk run. Um, I think it was 52 minutes and some odd seconds. So less than an hour and I finished 5K. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. Nice. All right. Well, congratulations, Deanna. I know that you'll be doing it again more than likely next year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so for those of you, if the color run's coming to your neck of the woods, definitely uh, if you're looking for something fun to do, go out and do it, especially if you're like a walker and or runner and you do different uh, events um, and you want to get out and do something even more fun, Definitely do one of those. I think if you're, if it's on your list of like running events, that's one of the ones that you have to do. But even then, you really don't want to run. You want to kind of like trot and slow down and enjoy it. It's like it's something that you really don't want to run it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just want to like take it it's, in. It's you're a really, lot of fun. It's just, yeah, take it in. It's just a lot of fun. And it's one of those things where um, I'm not saying that other races, uh, runners are very, like they're very supportive across the board with anyone, but this one is even more so. Um, there's a lot of people that are just 
heavily involved and, and, and just a lot of cheering, a lot of fun, a lot. And that's family oriented as well. There's kids, there's older generations, there's people that just got married. So it's, it overall, if I was going to like, this is one of those ones that has stayed a staple, at least in something that I've done. And I know that kiddo and I did it for, for many years together too. And yeah, it's just one of those things that you, you kind of have to do. Yes, it's definitely awesome. So, yeah, no, if you get one coming to your town soon, go online, look it up, and uh, definitely do it. And uh, you'll you'll be thankful that you did. Let us know if you do it. A uh, couple of quick notes before we kind of get into tonight's show. Uh, reminder, this Sunday night, February 20th, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, uh, the lovely Trinity St. Clair will be my guest for an all-new 411 Lounge on Blog Talk Radio. So I hope that you are able to join me then. Also, um, if you have not yet, and as I have stated, a lot of you have not, make sure that you get in your nominations now for our March tournament. Uh, it's that time of the year again. This year it is the Tournament of Bad. Of course, last year we had the Tournament of Pain, uh, Tournament of Bad this year. Uh, hashtag Page1TOB, and you can submit your choice today. That over to us, because uh, March is coming up soon. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Um, with those two things out of the way, I will tell you tonight, uh, we, of course, have coming up here in moments the Almanac. Uh, and then our first topic of the night, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Kanye West because there was something about it this past week that kind of disturbed me in a way. And I think when it comes to stories with people, people uh, sometimes let celebrity them. Is that the word you want to use, celebrity them? Uh, get in the way of the story itself. Sometimes you kind of have to stop, and you'll see what we're going to talk about. Uh, And then retro moment of the week, you actually get three tonight. Uh, The hint is one is celebrating a – what's the word I want to use here? Uh, An 80s icon's birthday. Uh, Another one is – anniversary of a particular moment for TV. And then uh, the other one is has to do with what's going to, I'm going to talk about in the Almanac today. So we got three of them coming up for you tonight. And then uh, we'll also talk about uh, one of the other big stories this week uh, was about the uh, figure skater uh, from Russia that uh, it, it's just sad on so many levels. Uh, watching that this week. Uh, You know, the Olympics is not without some drama. And um, it was kind of a little bit of a drama for a short time because of a failed drug test. And then uh, they held off on seeing if she could compete. Then she did. And then when she did, the first night was okay. After that, it pretty much went to shambles. And what you saw afterward even shocked announcers and even the IOC president who talked about it today. Uh, and then uh, we will do a little bit of something later in the show because there was about, I think, four stories that um, all had to do with babies. <laughs> I didn't tell Mary about it, but there's four stories this week that all had to do with babies. So uh, we're going to tie them all up in a bow, and we will talk about it because a few of them are amazing. And then there was a study um, that came out. I kind of had to read it twice uh, when I saw it. But 
rewatch. Uh, it had to do, um, and of course, I know this one will probably take a little bit to explain, but it was a study that found that men are viewed as, quote, more entitled to orgasms than women. <laughs> we will explain that later tonight. Um, and then, of course, we will have a live look at what's trending. But I can I can feel Mary rolling her eyes. I don't even have to. <laughs> I don't even have to see her when I know what I said. So, um, <laughs> but going on into the, I have a feeling you're like saving up your your uh, two minute rant for that story. But um, (laughs) today is February 18th, and it is National Battery Day. It is also National Crab Stuff Flounder Day. Uh, Also on the calendar, it is No One Eats Alone Day, and National Caregivers Day is also – yeah, No One Eats Alone. I eat alone, but No One Eats Alone. Um, And it's also National Drink Wine Day. Um, do you have any wine in front of you? Uh, I have it beside me. Oh, beside you. Uh, beside what wine me. do you have to tell? Prosecco. Oh, look at you, fancy. I did not bring <laughs> wine today. I feel like I should have bought, like, mm-hmm. some... Uh, Morgan David or something, uh, <laughs> or, or just, you know, I think wine. I don't know why. I don't know. You know, I have to look up why the the definition of wine uh, is such a derogatory one towards drinkers. I mean, you could get drunk off not only just wine but other stuff. There's no bureau. There's no. Uh, Champagneo. <laughs> There's no, um, you know, other stuff. It's a wino. <laughs> like the most frowned upon yes. person ever. <laughs> There's nothing for a beer drinker that gets drunk. There's nothing for a champagne drinker that gets drunk. There's nothing for a whiskey drinker. They don't call them whiskeyos or whiskos or anything like that. It's always wino, <laughs> which I never understood. Um, right. And then tomorrow, it is National Arabian Horse Day. It is National. Okay. I kid you not, I, I didn't put this back to back, but it's also National Lash Day. Of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just thought about that as I was saying it all together. Uh, National Vet Girls Rise Day, National Chocolate Mint Day, and it is also National Red Sock Day. And uh, the reason for National Red Sox Day is to help save a life and a limb. Uh, did you know that leg health pretty much can indicate risk of a heart, att- or a heart attack, stroke, and amputation? Uh, one in five adults over the age of 60 have a condition called uh, peripheral artery disease, and many don't even know that they have it. So National Red Sox Day on the third Saturday in February raises awareness about PAD, its risk factors, and what you can do. Uh, It's caused by plaque buildup in the peripheral arteries, mainly the arteries in the legs, and it's the most debilitating disease many people have never heard of. And yet it's responsible for nearly 200,000 amputations annually. 
Uh, more than half of those are preventable with early diagnosis and treatment. Uh, pretty much the symptoms are leg pain, leg cramps, uh, neuropathy, tingling, numbness, and non-healing foot ulcers. Uh, apparently three and five heart attack sufferers also have it. So that's why National Red Sox Day takes place in February, which is also American Heart Month. So, And some of the other risk factors are diabetes, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, smoking, obesity, and pretty much it can be hereditary. So, yeah. Hmm. Wear your Red Sox tomorrow. Um, and then on Sunday, it is National Leadership Day, National Comfy Day. Uh, it is also National Cherry Pie Day, National Muffin Day. Uh, it, it is National Love Your Pet Day. Um, I know that uh, you have a lot of visitors tonight. <laughs> I think that you're celebrating um, uh, that. But yeah, so National Pet Day is on Sunday. And then, of course, Monday brings us into National Grain Free Day, National Sticky Bun Day. It is President's Day. And then Tuesday, it is National Supermarket Employee Day, National California Day, National Cook a Sweet Potato Day, World Spay Day, and it is National Margarita Day. Nice. So on Tuesday, make sure you go out and have a uh, margarita. Uh, Wednesday brings us uh, National Banana Bread Day, National Dog Biscuit Day, some banana bread can be treated as a dog biscuit if it's bad. And National Tile Day. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Thursday, uh, it is National Tortilla Chip Day, National Toast Day, and National Chili Day, which is the fourth Thursday in February. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. So that's remember next week. So you can not only have some chili, but some tortilla chips, maybe some toast, banana bread, uh, margarita sweet potato, a sticky bun, and uh, cherry pie, a muffin, and chocolate mint. And then wear your red socks because you're going to have diabetes and some kind of foot. <laughs> after, that, after that, you will. <laughs> after that, you will. <laughs> Just thinking about all that stuff, yes, that is possible. But uh, <laughs> It's amazing how some of these days, don't really match with the months that is going on. It's like, hey, it's National, uh, you know, Good Health Month, but it's also National Donut Month, and it's National This Month, and, you know, all the bad things for you. Right. <laughs> I, I know I didn't mean to do that, but that's just how it falls. Uh, so, yeah. But so hilarious. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, one thing, though, this week, that was not hilarious, and one thing that I thought about, uh, there was an article that came out in the uh, Post uh, because over the last few weeks, and, you know, I'm one of those people where I'm like rich people problems, you know, celebrity problems, but a part of what's going on, and I will use this term throughout. Now, I want to put a little bit of an asterisk out here now. I happen to think that Kanye is a very talented individual. He is no doubt that he has written or produced a lot of songs over the last decade or so or a half that have been influential. Uh, He is, like I said, 
it takes nothing away from the talent that is him. Does it sometimes kind of go off into weird tangents? For those of us who think so, yes. For other people, they just say it is the genius that is. That's your case to make it. I am putting this out here with the allegedly tag and hope that a lot of this (laughs) stuff is not true. But you have heard a lot of stories this past week in regards to him going off on Instagram and on other parts of social media in regards to trying to, quote, win back uh, his ex, Kim Kardashian. And what the HuffPost article went into was uh, how uh, they were talking with one young lady and how she couldn't help but feel unnerved by how the divorce is playing out in the media because it was uncanny parallels between how he's reacting to his impending divorce and how uh, her ex-husband behaved when she left him in uh, 2007. And according to reports, and this is allegedly, and I keep putting this out there, that they said that he has tried to reach out to her by any means necessary, asking mutual friends for her newly changed phone number and tagging her all caps uh, on Instagram screens, calling her out for what he sees as parental uh, alienation. She didn't invite him to the birthday party she threw for her daughter Chicago, he claims. She didn't ask his permission before allowing her eight-year-old daughter North to put on makeup or get on TikTok. And what the young lady who they interviewed for your article said that, uh, and, you know, this, in her case, her ex texted her, you know, pretty much incessantly and left threatening voicemails on her phone and appeared at a work unannounced, and that was pre-Instagram, so he couldn't put her on blast there. But he did create a blog where he publicly questioned her parenting and lifestyle choices. And he was also dead set on stalling their divorce process. Um, now, West, who formally changed his name to Yi last year, is reportedly, reportedly and allegedly doing the same thing. Kardashian filed for divorce a year ago after nearly seven years of marriage with four kids. Uh, even his over-the-top gesture on Valentine's Day felt eerily similar, uh, as the lady said in her ex's attempt to win her back, though Kardashian has moved on, allegedly, with comedian Pete Davidson. And it is said that he sent her a truckload of roses with lettering on the side of the customized vehicle reading, My Vision is Crystal Clear, uh, this lady said her ex would drop off bouquets of roses and cards at her parents' home where she was staying after the separation. Uh, apparently, West uh, bought a home to be closer to the Kardashian clan, uh, some saying, uh, in their neighborhood. And she said the whole pattern is West-esque and how he would criticize her, then he'd love Bomber, and then when that didn't work, he'd go back to criticizing her, and it just seems similar. Uh, Meanwhile, plenty of Kardashian detractors are coolly dismissive of what's occurring. They said, you get the impression that some of them believe the reality star, quote, deserves to have her emotional abuse splashed all over social media because her family has so actively courted publicity over the last decade. But what's worse is this young lady says that she's seeing his young, impressionable, mostly male fans defend or encourage their favorite rapper's fight to bring his family back together. His posts are quick to disappear, which makes sense from a PR perspective. His ramblings have become increasingly unhinged the last few weeks, but his fans, especially males, seem to eat it up. Look at the comment section of any of his most recent Instagram posts, and you'll see them applauding his efforts, dropping fire emojis, and making promises to take Davidson out if only Wes would say the word. Others claim the erratic behavior is just, quote, part of his album and documentary rollout promo, further trivializing 
what's happening to Kardashian and the couple's children. And on Twitter, many people, mostly women, are sharing how much they sympathize with Kardashian's plight because they, too, have been on the receiving end of public verbal abuse or worse from an angry ex. And um, the, you know, I have seen, it seems almost every other day, something on, and his narrative, as they said, changes depending on the day. Uh, the most recent theme was that of a jilted husband who was in distress and mourning to break down his marriage. And they said in his mind, he's entitled to date and move forward. But if she tries to move forward a year later, he becomes unhinged and is openly threatening uh, things against her and her boyfriend. And in one post, he encouraged any fans who encountered Davison to scream at the top of your lungs and say, Kim Ye forever. Uh, the rapper later posted a screenshot of what he said was a text from Kardashian where, he asked West, where she asked West to stop attacking Davison because it's, quote, creating a dangerous and scary environment for the comedian. Um, and he did say, uh, he wrote, upon my wife's request, please nobody do anything physical to skeet. That's what he called him. I'm going to handle the situation myself. Um, and he shared an Instagram post on Tuesday saying he knows some of his posts have come across as, quote, harassing Kim and that he plans to take accountability. So by Tuesday night, he had resumed posting old photos over. Um I worry because what one person sees as something that is harmful in a world today in which people align themselves with celebrities. And it's scary too, because people almost like they, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They pledge allegiance pretty much to the message. And my worry is that by doing all of this stuff on social media, it gets people hyped up. And I fear and I hope and pray that something doesn't happen. But you almost kind of see this like going down a really bad path. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking today that if it was a woman that was doing that, man or female, she would have been called out for it. And even then, if it wasn't Kanye West that was allegedly doing these things. If he wasn't a famous person, everyone would be uh, very upset at what they're seeing. And I, I guess at this point, because he's a celebrity, do you feel that he's getting um, a pass on something that a lot of other people would find as disturbing and creepy? I okay. Um, I think you're partially right. The um, the whole uh, fame thing does play a part in this, but I think it's also the fact that it's Kanye West, and he's kind of already established that he's a nut job. And I say that in the most clinical sense that there is out there. He he is manipulative. And he fights with people that don't see things the way he sees them. And then the next day he's like, yo, this is awesome. You know, you're a really great artist or you're a really wonderful person or whatever the case may be. I think he's already kind of, and I know this sounds weird, but he's already kind of set up that he's crazy. And so more people are likely to kind of give him a pass on the uh, wild 
swings in mood that he has. Do I think it's right? No. I think I think you're right in that if that was if Kim was one doing that, she would be ostracized, criticized, everybody would look at her funky. And I don't think that's right. Unfortunately that's what's what happened, I guess, in in the worst way. Um, but I really think that he needs some Time in, in a white jacket. And I say it, I'm, I'm kind of joking a little bit just because I can't come up with the best way of conveying. He really needs help. He really mm-hmm. needs help. And and I don't know what kind of help he's going to get, basically, because I don't think he's going to get help, period. Is that weird? Yeah, I I remember reading years ago about even before he married her or before he even met her that he had a fascination with her and he told people he was going to marry her no matter what. And and I think it comes back to that when I'm thinking of it because I'm like, dude, if this stuff is true, and like I said, there's two sides to every story, but of course Instagram doesn't lie because if you put it out there, then it's out there. And you can't delete mm-hmm. it because by then you put it out there for people to take snapshots, screenshots of, and it's there. And for the things that mm-hmm. we have seen, it's very disturbing because all it takes is for one – because nowadays, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this would happen, but all it takes is for a celebrity with a huge fan base to tell people to do something. And people nowadays seem to be so brainwashed by celebrities and their love and their uh, allegiance to them, that all it takes is for one or two people to say, well, I'm going to help Kanye out, and if I do this, Kanye is going to love me for it even more. Mm-hmm. And it's just like now with politics, where people say things and people are so allegiant to people that they will go out and break laws and do things in the name of somebody else who they've never met. And for me to see this play out in public like this, it's so insane and so ridiculous. And I'm like, well, if you really want things to go right, first of all, and this is for everybody, so every celebrity or even people, keep your business out of the public eye. You know, I know Mm -hmm. you all live on, you know, uh, things that happen and perception and this and that, but the perception right now does not look good. The perception looks like, you know, a person that's trying to get away from a person that's controlling, and we're seeing why. And like I said, it is nothing to take away from the genius that is him. He is deserving of every accolade in regards to music because he is smart and he is good at what he does. You know, fashion, that's for the fashionistas to decide. I don't buy Yeezys or anything like that. And, but when you see things like this, you kind of cringe. And when you get people like, yeah, man, you go and do this. It's kind of like, okay, you're cheering this on, which is making him do it even more. What mm-hmm. if that was your sister's boyfriend? Would you be okay with them doing a public spectacle like that and saying things that they're saying about them? or doing things that look a little bit out of line, I don't think you would. Mm -hmm. And yet people, because of his celebrity status, seem to have 
forgotten that this is a serious issue. And I think that's where the problem lies is that, you know, a celebrity can go out and do it, and somewhere someone will find some way to defend it. But if it was anyone else, they would be against it. What makes that person so special? I don't think he deserves that special treatment. We have to look at it for what it is. And his fans. It's abuse. Yeah. And his fans should say, hey, man, what you're doing is a little wrong. You know, let everything play out. If it's meant to be, she'll come back to you. But otherwise, this stuff that you're doing, you got to take a look in the mirror. You know, but they're almost like enablers egging this on. And that's where it gets more disturbing. So, yeah. Um, my fear is that there's some crazy person out there that is going to try to do something in the name of Kanye. And, yeah, it's like stop the rhetoric before it boils over. When you do that stuff, things happen. It could have been avoided by one person's action. So, yeah. Just like that. <laughs> so it is time for our um, retro moment of the week. You get three this week. Um, we'll play them. We'll pretty much explain the significance of them. But as I stated earlier, one has to do with um, – piece of television history that happened on this day and then another one is celebrating the birthday of an 80s icon and then the third one has to do and i'll tell you uh with national wine day so we will play all of those mm-hmm. and we'll see you on the other side first this is page one on blog talk radio with lavar and mary we'll be back ladies and gentlemen the late yule brenner i really wanted to make a commercial when I discovered that I was that sick and my time was so limited when they make that commercial that says simply now that I'm gone I tell you don't smoke whatever you do just don't smoke if I could take back that smoking we wouldn't be talking about any cancer I'm convinced of that in the babysitting business you need some tricks of the trade See, kids always want this snack or that snack. But I know how fussy mothers are about those things, so I recommend raisins. Kids love them because they're sweet and chewy. Mothers like them because they're sweetened by the sun, not manufactured. I like them because they save me a lot of headaches. We know raisins are natural, but kids just know what they like. So, give them raisins and call them nature's candy. Raisins from California, nature's candy. with LeVar and Mary on Block Talk Radio. Your source for all the current topics and news you need to know. Here's LeVar and Mary. Welcome back to Block Talk Radio. 
back to Page One with LaVar and Mary with you here on this Friday night, February 18th, 2022. So I guess I have to explain a few of those commercials. The PSA with <laughs> the late Yul Brenner. Uh, on this date in 1986, that commercial aired for the first time. It was the first anti-smoking um, ad that had ever been put on television. Uh, Brenner had died uh, a few months before, back in October of 1985, and he had done that interview. They took it from an interview that he did with Good Morning America. Um, And, yeah, so uh, that was the PSA from Joe Brenner. I think a lot of people remember that one because I think they also used that with the Body Worlds exhibit. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I remember going there to see it, and that was the one PSA commercial that they played. Uh, the second one, um, I guess, does the voice sound familiar in that Raisins commercial? Mm-hmm. Who is it? It did sound familiar, but I couldn't tell you who it was. Well, that is the voice of Molly Ringwald, who turns 54 today. Wow. <laughs> yes <laughs> A young Molly Ringwald Back in the early 80s uh, Did a Commercial for Raisins And then of course the wonderful 1980s Reuniti spot <laughs> Reuniti on ice <laughs> Which is still in the stores um, If you go there Yes, in honor of National Wine Day. So they all fit in somehow, some way today. Um, right. But, yeah. Uh, have you watched any of the Olympics at all? Uh, no, but that's not because I didn't want to. It's because I have been quite busy at work. So unfortunately for me, I have not been able to catch any of the Olympics and I try to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and do that stuff, but yeah, just not not doing it this year. <laughs> well, um, if you have not been watching, uh, like I said earlier, the Olympics seems to have its share of controversy every four years, and that continued uh, with the story of Camilla Waliva. Uh, um, so, quick backstory, and hopefully, I will get this right. Uh, she had tested uh, for a banned substance back in December. And for the last uh, few days leading up to when she was allowed to skate, her status for being in the Olympics was up in the air. And they allowed her to go on. And she was heavily favored to win the gold, but missed out on a medal in the women's figure skating yesterday after pretty much a devastating performance haunted by the doping saga that pretty much has upturned her career and drawn her into an international storm. And it uh, today, uh, the president of the IOC um, said that it was chilling to, he said, rather than giving her comfort, rather than try to help her, you could feel the chilling atmosphere. And that he said, if you were interpreting the body language of them, it got even worse because this was even some kind of dismissive gestures and that it was chilling, chilling to see. Um, because her entourage pretty much at that point, um, she, as she pretty much bobbled on a triple axle early in her routine before ending the ice twice, 
Uh, she pretty much came off the ice visibly upset. She was met by our famously hard-driving coach, uh, Iteri uh, Tupperzeed, and her first response was criticism, pretty much telling her, or uh, pretty much demanding that know of her, why did you let it go? Why did you stop fighting? Uh, and she says, after the axle, you let it go. And by the time she finished pretty much going after her, then she put her arm around her, but by then she was visibly inconsolable. Uh, and her coaching methods were already in the spotlight after the Russian anti-doping agency and the World Anti-Doping Agency said that they would investigate the entourage following the revelation that she had tested positive for banned substance ahead of the games. Um, and it sparked a broader conversation about the suitability of minors competing in the Olympics and the rules that govern them. Uh, and the reaction of another distraught Russian skater only added to that picture. And she was heard saying uh, that she says, quote, I hate this sport. She shouted at the side of the rink after winning silver in the same competition on Thursday. I won't go onto the ice again. Uh, she later said her comments about her not skating again had been, quote, emotional, the result of missing her family and her dogs, but didn't commit to compete at next month's world championships. Um, and, you know, media and everyone else was a little bit unnerved uh, this week at what they had saw. And uh, some in skating now have called for the minimum age for her event to be raised from 15 to 17 in time for the 2026 Milan Cortina Olympics. And while there clearly are lessons to be learned, she'll have to wait four years to change her Olympic story if the Russians choose to let her try. Um, and Sports Illustrated pretty much said the same thing this week in regards to um, raising the age because they said that children should not uh, sh children should compete against children, adults should compete against adults, and that the various intertwined um, acronyms uh, running all of this uh, pretty much uh, they need they don't fully understand the consequences of their actions by allowing it to happen. They actually say it should be 18. Uh, for the health of the athletes and for the health of their sport. So I, I, you see these young kids going out here on a world stage. Um, you know, and they had talked about uh, one skater who had won Olympic gold for Russia at the age of 15. And they said she was already watching younger girls surpass her as her body changed, and she told reporters – that she needed to, quote, lose some weight so that she can do quads and keep pace. The jumps also strain young athletes' bones as they're growing, and shortly after that interview, she sustained a hip injury and took an indefinite break from competition. And one person who is in the sport said that we've seen many young skaters, 15, 16 years old at the Olympics at World Championships, only lasting two or three years, and then they're the new ones. What happens with the ones that were world champions and don't make it anymore? What happened? Did they get injured? Did they have mental problems? They want healthy athletes who are able to perform for more than two or three years at the top of their capability. Uh, you see this, and I know in years past you have probably watched some of these events. After seeing a debacle like this and things that have happened, do you think that the age should now be up a little bit so that we're not putting these kids – through the stresses of world competition like this? That, that's, I thought it was younger. 
I honestly did. I thought it was uh, 14 uh, for for figure skating, and I'm glad that it is older than that in a weird way. But then, yeah, why not do adults against adults? I don't see – I never understood – I understood it was supposed to be an amateur competition and all, but I never understood why – of why they had to be so young. Right. So raising the raising the raising the age is not a bad idea. Um, is it a great idea? It should have been done already. I'm, I'm guessing, but I wouldn't call it a bad idea. I'd be on board with it. And it really comes down to competitions on their own. You know, you do have to look at the competitors. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some competitors would be like, "No, there's no reason for us to." to raise the age limit because I like competing. You'd hear that too. So, yeah, right. I'm not against it. Um, I would go with whatever the people that are competing in the sport feel is right. They are the experts. They're the ones that are doing it. So right. that's where I would go. Yeah, I think, you know, my thing is that you don't see too many 15, 16-year-olds competing in um you know, a lot of the other sports is very rare. Uh, a few may slip through at like 17, 18, but, you know, I, I think that's one of the one sports that where, you know, you have people that young doing it. And I don't know, uh, it's, you know, cause it's not going to be fair to the ones who pretty much are doing what's right by these kids and, you know, who train their butts off and want to get there and want to do this. And like, you know, mentally are prepared for it. Uh, it will be interesting to see what they do before the next Olympics, but I think that there has to be a lot of studies going on as compared to like injuries, uh, what people were doing and keeping these kids healthy as well, because it's one sport or a couple of sports in which there is a really bad stigma and things that can happen to young ladies. It is either that or it is the ones who are involved um, with um, the what's the word I'm looking for because I pretty much lost the train of thought here. But the ones who are doing also the uh, gymnastics, and we hear so much mm-hmm. about what happens during that time. And you know, if these kids are going to do that, and if the Olympic Committee is really serious about what they want to do, they have to have help for these young lady and young ladies and young men who want to do these sports because, you know, you want to keep this fun and at the same time, something that they want to do, not something that they feel they have to hurt or force themselves to do in order to maintain a love for something that started like that from tumbling or ice skating as a youth to, you know, now you just hate it because of the people that control it and focus on winning so much, you know? And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. hope they do right for these kids and they hope that they change it. I don't know if they should change the age. I think maybe if you're going to do it, maybe by a year or two, 16, 17, I think at 15, all that pressure, you know, I don't know if a 15-year-old can really handle Like I said, it's a once in a, you know, but then again, there are some 15-year-olds that are good at it. But you've seen in the last 10 years, especially where younger athletes who gain a lot of fame quickly, uh, get burned out or get uh, mentally shaken. Look at Simone Biles. You know, look at Naomi Osaka. You know, 
who get mentally shaken because of the pressures of trying to win. Uh, mm-hmm. They shouldn't have to go through a stress for something that is a low. <laughs> you never should. So mm-hmm. we'll see what goes. Um, but got to be interesting for the Olympic Committee. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get into some other stories here, we've got our live look at what is trending tonight on Twitter. Um, one of the things that is trending is uh, the NBA All-Star, because it is uh, All-Star Friday night. Um, Scotty Barnes is trending as he discusses his first NBA All-Star experience from the bench in the middle of the game. I guess it was something pretty cool. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is also trending. SmackDown is trending. Um, and Space has Got Talent, of course, is trending tonight. Love during lockup. Uh, just a lot of the players who are partic- ah, participating tonight um, is uh, trending online. Also trending online uh, is Yoshi... Uh, I guess they are live uh, with the, uh, I guess, something for Final Fantasy fourteen, um, And uh, Naoki Yoshida presents. I guess they have uh, Yoshi P on tonight. I hope I got that right. <laughs> you're going to be just um, fine on that one. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I don't know. I said, you're yeah, going to be as good as mine on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ottawa is also trending tonight uh, because of the situation that is going there. Um, what is going on in Canada is something that is something that we don't really see from Canada too often, and that is a lot of people who are uh, – there is a little bit of a discord here between um, people and their uh, protest in regards to COVID, uh, but – what is going on tonight is that the Ottawa police have started arresting those protesting COVID-19 restrictions. Um, definitely something that uh, we will be keeping an eye on. Um, and it's getting a little ugly. And you hope that this does, uh, that people, um, that you hope that this is something that doesn't turn into what happened in, uh, Seattle uh, over the last year or so, uh, but yeah, there are videos coming in that does not look well uh, coming from that. Um, and then, um, pretty much snow squall is trending. Uh, there have been lightning and snow squall warnings in Wisconsin and Illinois with the system moving in tonight. And I can tell you, as a person who is here in that state. Uh, that's not a lot of fun. Um, and some people say it's quick, but it may pack a punch. Uh, there is a snow squall warning in Milwaukee. Uh, and if that is the case, uh, it is in effect until, I know here in the Chicagoland area, until 1030 tonight. And I can tell you right outside the window here, because I'm close to it, I can hear the wind uh, as it is blowing. Uh, and it is in effect until 10:30. Uh, for those, uh, and you don't know, pretty much if you know I-88, which is a big uh, road corridor near DeKalb and near Rochelle, uh, and uh, also near Woodstock. So a lot of those areas up that way tonight, uh, it could be more to the north of the city. 
but that is tonight. Um, it's intense, but it's a brief burst of snow. It happens so quickly. Uh, it's kind of like I would call it a, a snow thunderstorm uh, where it kind of comes in. But um, And I'm looking here at some pictures that came in about a few minutes ago near DeKalb, Illinois. Uh, the snow squall did move through, and those conditions last lasted for about 45 minutes, but they're very dangerous to motorists as it carries low visibility and strong winds. So uh, it's not pretty. Um, very rare, but that is what's going on tonight here in the Midwest. So, yeah. Welcome to winter. <laughs> right. You thought it came in December? No. You know, I knew we were in trouble because we had a very mild December, uh, and then uh, mm-hmm. January was pretty nice as well. And all of a sudden, the end of January, early February, it just kind of showed out. Mother Nature said, "Here, hold my beer," and it has not been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a reliable forecast, did it not? Yeah, that was that was very reliable. <laughs> well, one of the things uh, that we know is always reliable is uh, babies to make us happy. And, of course, there is some baby news this week. There were three different stories, and I'm going to quickly kind of go through them. Uh, one was from NBC in which uh, they had – and this is something that maybe a lot of people should know that you don't know. Uh, but there was a young lady whose name is Joanne McCusker, and – she was feeling so tired. She wondered if she had what's called long COVID. Um, that's what her doctor told her. But they told her that you may have long COVID, but you also happen to be pregnant. In fact, very pregnant. Her doctor performed an ultrasound, and she was stunned to learn that she was in her second trimester. She soon had another shock. She found out that she had what's called placenta percreta which is a rare pregnancy complication she had never heard of before. Uh, She said that she was trying to gather as much information as she could, and there was very little information available beyond what the doctors told her. Um, It occurs when the placenta grows into the uterus. Uh, It is when you have a morbidly adherent placenta that has grown a little bit too far from its usual boundary and the superficial layer of the uterus and it has now managed to somehow get into the muscle of the uterus. Uh, when you have a placenta that's inherently this way, you're at a tremendous risk that you're going to require a hysterectomy at some time of your delivery. And it falls under the placenta accreta spectrum, a group of traditions, like you said, where it grows into the uterine wall. And she was then put into a high-risk group, and uh, the conditions in the spectrum are rare, occurring at only 0.17% of pregnancies. And while the percentage sounds low, the number of cases have increased since the 1950s. And um, the number one reason for the increasing rates is the rising C-section rates and multiple uh, gestations. So they said that when you already have scars in the uterus, there's more placenta, so it may be likely to attach in areas that are previously scarred. Her first child was delivered via C-section, and the other two were vaginal births after cesarean. So, yeah, pretty much uh, what happened at that point was that they, uh, it was no ordinary C-section delivery because uh, people with this have an increased risk of blood loss because of the placenta's position. It might have scared major blood vessels to the uterus. 
Uh, but I'm happy to tell you uh, that uh, her baby is here. Uh, mother and child are doing well. Um, there was a few things that happened along the lines in that she had to have a massive blood transfusion and then the uterus and placenta were removed. Uh, but it is amazing if you read the story and you go online to uh, today. Um, but, yeah, I, I did not that, – that's one more thing I think that makes women amazing because when there is something like that that happens, yikes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not, you learn something every day. Um, Surprisingly, I know that you learned something today about this, which is which is amazing on its own merit. Like, yay! I'm glad that you learned something, but I, I kind of knew about that. I didn't know what it was but called, she, but I knew there was yeah, a tradition like that. Yeah, she didn't even know, and I was like, and I'm always amazed when people don't know. I was like, did it feel any different? Did feel nothing? In you know, something. I'm surprised, but. and granted, second trimester, it's easier to get to and not know because you haven't, you know, second trimester is right about the time you start gaining the weight, and then you, you're supposed to wait six weeks anyway. Um, there, you know, most of the time, if you're going to have a miscarriage, it's within the first six weeks of pregnancy. So that being said, um, 12 weeks is not that hard to get to, especially now with COVID, if she gained a couple of pounds, but she was trying to work mm-hmm. out, it wouldn't be something that would be too out of the ordinary. The part that got me is the fact that she's not having a period and she didn't think something was up. Um, right. So either she's like, she was used to taking the um, a birth control method that stopped her period or she was not um, paying attention. Uh, and, and the first case, okay. The second case, not good if you're not paying attention. And then an odd story here, and you'll have to follow up. You'll have to stay close with me on this one. But this story comes uh, uh, from the Associated Press uh, talking about how twins have some unique qualities. In fact, twin siblings even believe they have telepathic abilities with their brother or sister because twins have such a special connection. But it it isn't rare for sets of twins to wind up dating other sets of twins. That's what happened for identical twins Brittany and Brianna, who married identical twins Josh and Jeremy Salyers. The two couples then wound up both having babies within months of one another, and those babies have a very strange distinction. In an Instagram post showing off their adorable sons, Jax and Jet, the twin moms wrote cousins, genetic brothers, and uh, quarantary twins. I'll explain. Of course, uh, commenters were confused, but the science is there. Since identical twins share the same DNA and both parents are identical twins, genetically, the kids are siblings, even though they are actually cousins. Essentially, if they took a DNA test, it would show that they are brothers. It's not too surprising either, considering how similar the boys look. And if you saw the picture, yes, it looked like they probably could be twins. Uh, the interesting backstory to that is that Brittany and Brianna met their husbands, where else? At a festival for twins in 2017. Six months later, both couples were engaged, and in August 2018, they had a joint wedding. How about that for a story? <laughs> um, creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, finally, 
an interesting note, the list of illegal baby names in the United States and around the world uh, came out. Uh, with the new year comes a new list of trendy baby names expected parents will pick out for their child. But what about the names that are off-limits in the United States and other countries? According to usbirthcertificates.com, there are a few names that are off-limits for newborn babies born in the states. Some specific states have stricter naming laws, and a few states like Kentucky have none in place. Regardless, here are a handful of names <laughs> that were ruled illegal by courts within the U.S. You cannot name your son king or queen or Jesus Christ. <laughs> you cannot name them the Roman numeral three. You cannot name them Santa Claus, Majesty, Messiah, the at sign, 1069, or Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Why anyone would do that, I don't know. <laughs> okay, in which states? Because I, I know people have named, I know people have named Prince and King. I've worked with people with those names. I, I, it says here it's been a ruling with some courts within the U.S., uh, so I don't know exactly where. I even seen a Santa one day. Somebody named their kid Santa, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, but, yeah, why would anybody name their kid Adolf Hitler? I don't know. Uh, another example of a baby name it's that was most German, likely It's a traditional German name, that's why. Adolf, I can see, but Adolf Hitler? <laughs> I, I don't know. Another example of a baby name that would most likely get rejected is putting a numeral in your child's name. An example being Monica, where it would have the one instead of the I and be spelled M-O-N-1-K-A, which would most likely not be permissible as your chosen name. Now, some states also limit the number of letters that can be used, as well as the inclusion of pictograms, obscenity, symbols, emojis, or other offensive language. Now, America isn't the only country to put a ban on certain baby names. And in fact, other countries have interesting reasoning why certain names are deemed illegal for a newborn baby. I will give you some examples. <laughs> and I kid you not, these are the countries in which these are some of the names that are illegal. In Malaysia, you cannot name your child 007. <laughs> in Portugal, you cannot name your child Thor. In Denmark, you cannot name your child Monkey, M-O-N-K-E-Y. In the United Kingdom, you cannot name your child Cyanide. <laughs> if you're in Why Iceland, risk you? I, I don't know. <laughs> in Iceland, you cannot name your child Harriet. In China, you cannot use the word Koran. In Mexico, and I don't know why you would, you cannot name your child circumcision. <laughs> In Italy, you cannot call them blue. In Japan, you cannot call them devil. In France, you cannot call them Prince William. In Sweden, you cannot name them Metallica. Uh, Germany has Osama bin Laden. Morocco, it's Sarah with an H. It's S-A-R-A-H. I don't know why. Uh, in China, Islam. In Italy, you cannot name your child Friday. In Malaysia, you cannot name them Snake. 
In Saudi Arabia, you cannot name your child Linda. Uh, in Mexico, you cannot <laughs> use rope. Yes, with your papa gets your Linda. <laughs> Linda in Saudi Arabia. Um, Robocop in Mexico. Uh, Chief Maximus in New Zealand. In New Zealand, it is Tallulah does the hula from Hawaii, which I don't know why that anybody would use that as a name. And of course, my favorite from New Zealand, you cannot name your child Sex Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> No sex route if you're in New if you're in New Zealand. Can't do it. So I wanted to know I was especially I was like Robocop, Sex Route, Linda. Out of all the ones, Linda. Then Linda? Yeah. Can't name your kid Linda. I understand the Sarah actually in Morocco because that's a royal name. So that one I understood. Mm. I think okay. it's Princess Sarah now. So that one I kind of get, but Linda. Linda. <laughs> so what Linda. if your name is Linda and you're going to Saudi Arabia? You might not want to tell them what your name is. <laughs> right? I don't know. Yikes. Um, <laughs> that is our baby wrap-up of baby names or baby news. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> Linda. <laughs> yep. Oh goodness. Um, but yeah, so no, that's uh, that is that. But the last story of the night was an interesting one, and it is after the ten o'clock, eleven o'clock hour in the east. Um, so, uh, if you do have kids listening, you might want to send them out of the room once again for another week in a row. Uh, but this one was from the Hop Post, and it showed that research reliably shows uh, that that straight women statistically have fewer orgasms than any other demographic. That holds true in both casual hookups and long-term relationships. But a new study published in Social Psycho- Psychological and Personality Science shed some light on why the, quote, orgasm gap might be so vast and widely accepted. Um, according to the study's lead author and a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Michigan, they stated that the lay public widely recognizes the orgasm gap between women and men is variously innate and biological determined, but our study shows that social, uh, contextual factors, namely entitlement, play a crucial role in understanding gender equalities and sexual pleasure. According to the study, Men are generally perceived as being more entitled to orgasm and sexual pleasure than women, a perception that's shared among men and women. The same male privilege that pervades in so many areas of our lives, social, economic, institutional, cultural, plays out in the bedroom too. And they said that I think people believe men have more of a right to experience an orgasm, and that's rooted in gender power inequality. Those masculine cultural ideas that shape the way people think about and have sex are internalized by both women and men. The study consisted of five online surveys. And in the first, uh, the person and her colleagues asked just over 200 respondents whether they thought women or men were more likely to be the receiver or the provider of sexual pleasure in heterosexual interactions. 
The participants were also asked who had, quote, more of a right to experience an orgasm and to take into account the general consensus of their friends when answering the question. By and large, the participants indicated that men were more likely to be the receiver of pleasure and women more likely to be the provider, regardless of whether it was a long-term relationship or a hookup. As for the second part of the question, respondents said that men were more entitled to an orgasm, at least during a hookup. In a surprise to Klein and her team, participants perceived that women were more entitled to experiencing orgasm than men when in a long-term relationship. Uh, Janet Brito, a sex therapist in Honolulu, Hawaii, who's unaffiliated with the study, wagered a guess as to why that might be. Once the relationship has been established, couples may feel more free to let cultural scripts assigned by sex and gender fall to the wayside, specifically the, quote, men are more entitled to orgasm belief. She says when safety and security is established in long-term relationships, it allows women to feel more confident expressing their needs and makes men more open to negotiating. It's possible that in long-term relationships, the couple may have figured out how to balance sexual power. Now, in the second survey of 223 people, they were asked uh, to read an anecdote about a sexual encounter where neither the man or woman achieved orgasm. Who needs to and has more of a right to orgasm in the scenario? Almost three-quarters of the participants chose to prioritize the man's orgasm. And the man in the hypothetical situation was perceived as being more disappointed, frustrated, unsatisfied, and deprived than the woman. Uh, interestingly, they said that they did not find gender differences in most of the studies. Both male and female participants were more likely to view men as being more entitled to orgasms. The results indicate that both women and men are likely to buy into this dynamic, with women also accepting the idea that they are less deserving of sexual pleasure. However, the researchers phased their questions. Men's pleasures came out on top, and in the third questionnaire, the researchers asked 151 people, uh, please think of a sexual encounter between a woman and a man. Imagine that only one of them could have an orgasm. Who should have it? 66.2 of the sample picked the men or picked the man over the woman. Uh, and then the fourth one led to the most surprising findings. 253 people read a scenario in which either a woman, Jasmine, or a man, Michael, was suffering from severe depression and anxiety. And in both cases, the doctor was considering prescribing a new antidepressant, which came with an unfortunate side effect. Taking the medication would result in the loss or ability to orgasm. Would you advise him or her to take the drug? The participants were more likely to advise Jasmine to take the drug than they were Michael. And women respondents were more likely to push the medication in general. Uh, and then the last one uh, analyzed open-ended responses about why men are perceived. And when asked directly, the most common themes in open-ended responses are men orgasm more easily, whereas women's orgasm means work. Men are in control, sexism and entitlement, or deservingness. Um, I could go on, but I already know that my friend is ready to pounce back with an answer. Um, <laughs> Oh, I don't know about pounds, but my gosh, I just want to yell at every woman out there and be like, no, you can have an orgasm. You deserve it just as much as he does. I don't understand why people, I don't understand why people would think that men are more deserving. That's the part that gets me. Like having, having said that, like who should have an orgasm, both. And if one can't, neither. <laughs> There's a thought. Ta-da! Equality. I just, I just don't understand why you would think. And the, the 
men do are easier to have an orgasm. That's not necessarily true either. I don't think. Question mark. I, I I don't I don't have I don't have the knowledge base to be able to 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 speak to that. However, I will say that there is more work involved with women when they are not open about what their needs and or desires are. If you cannot convey to your partner, whoever your partner is, this is what I like and this is how I like it, or this is what I want and this is how I like it, or any of those things, it will be more work. So in this case, I'm actually more upset with women because they won't voice their rights as a person, just as a person, to be able to have that euphoric experience of an orgasm. I actually am, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm not necessarily angered. I, anger. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that in this day and age with everyone talking about equality and everyone saying, you know, everybody should be equal and we should treat everybody the same, that people, men and women alike, sit there and go, you, this group of people deserve to have an orgasm or should have an orgasm before this group of people. No. And in this lady's place right here, just this, this little forfeit a space, when it's down to it, it's either we both do or we both don't. And if we both don't, then it's my fault because I haven't said to my partner, whoever I'm with, what I like, what I want, what I think I deserve. And that is my two-minute rant. It was way less than two minutes, but that is my thing. Surprise, Um, huh? That was very calm. That was quite calm. You were probably surprised. It was calmer than what I thought it would be. Excuse and, uh, me while I whip this out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that movie. I'm sorry. still love that movie. Um, that was calmer than what I thought it would be. Um, I. <laughs> I <laughs> it was, you have uh, to be careful because wherever you step, there's a mine. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the thing. I think I know why that study went the way it did. Why it went the way it did was because of the assumption, and I think in some ways a lot of women probably within that study thought no matter what, and this is where the misconception lies, and I'm not saying this based off of you know a fact, but it's a misconception that probably a lot of the time women think that a guy is going to orgasm a hundred percent of the time. So, um, you know, since it's hard for me to really do it, uh, or it may happen or it may not that they just kind of like defer to the guy having it. And once we get into a relationship, then that's when I feel more comfortable stating my needs and wants and they wait until that period of time before there's a comfortability. I think that's what happened. It's just an assumption. But like you said, you know, this is something where the biggest uh, issue falls between people in relationships. Because even in the beginnings, 
when things are, quote, you're finding your way and you're trying to make things work, that's also a critical juncture because some people have been known to end relationships early because it was one-sided. That one person Mm -hmm. was having all the fun and they weren't having that fun or they weren't getting that satisfaction out of something that they felt that they should have been getting a satisfaction out of. And like you said, it comes down to not only women, but men explaining in the bedroom of what they want. I don't know why we're so shy of explaining these things because it's only going mm-hmm. to allow both to have more fun. And if both started doing it more, we wouldn't have lopsided studies like this because the misconception always comes that the guy's going to go in, even in a short term or one night stand, He's coming to get what he wants. I'm going to ride along and have fun. And if it happens for me, it happens for me. But if it doesn't, well, at least he's got what he wanted. And he might be happy enough as to where this might go somewhere. And you have to quit having that thought, you know, not saying that you got to be demanding like, oh, if I don't orgasm, you know, it's, it, that's not going to happen. The thing is that it comes with mm-hmm. practice. Successful people that it has happened for and the people who have lasted long time are open with each other about what they want. And that's why you're going to see studies like this continue to be so lopsided and people think that the guys should have it because they know that offhand they're going to have it anyway. That as soon as that guy is finished, that he probably got his, and while you're still laying there trying to get yours, you know, that he already got his, so by default, I'm not even going to argue it. I kind of did my job in helping him. But at the same time, did you really get what you needed? Because if that happens again and again and again and again, then yes, it's going to be lopsided until you're maybe in a relationship. And even then, you could end it because it hasn't happened for you. Why? Because you probably haven't explained well, this is what helps me. It's something that, you know, is so funny. We could talk about everything else in a relationship, but the one thing I guarantee you that will come last on that list is people's satisfaction. And I'm not even just talking like sex. I'm talking from a satisfaction standpoint, what satisfies you. Because as you've seen, people who pretty much, you know, discuss these things in intimate detail, it kind of, you know, it may be other things that come into play that ends things, but that seems to work when people are open about that. Um, Why? Because there's no shyness about it or somebody feeling, you know, well, did you? You know, (laughs) wondering if they did or left wondering if they Mm -hmm. ever did, you know? And that's why I think that this study is so lopsided. Like you said, it's a little disappointing, you know, because it does a disservice as well to that guy that, quote, always gets his. And this is not, you know, uh, kissing up, but at the end of the day, you know, if there's something more that a guy can do, there are a lot more guys that, quote, get off on being able to do that because a lot of them think that they can. And if they're thinking that they can and they didn't, it's not going to help the next situation. You know, and at that point, you know, guys don't admit it, but guys want to know, hey, did I do that right? Because sometimes they do ask that. And if you're sitting there as that person that's like, oh, yeah, you did, but they didn't, 
That's not helping with you guys' relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, why take that L and why, you know, say, nah, well, I'll just let the guy have it. You know, just by default. I'll let him win. He's got it. He should have it more. But you're not happy. And I don't get that. You know? Exactly. I mean, and, and again, it's not just, and you said this perfectly, it's not just about the sex either. It's about intimacy. If you can't talk about what you want as a human being, forget about anything else. If you cannot verbally or even non-verbally say, I don't want this or I do want this, those are the boundaries that you set. If you can't talk about that stuff, you're not going to be able to talk about that in the bedroom. If you don't talk about that in the bedroom, then expectations are, I'm doing things right. If they're not doing things right, you have to tell them. If you, they are doing things right, you have to tell them. That's communication, and that's going to that's going to set a, a stronger foundation for your relationship. That's going to be good communication everywhere in your relationship, and that's not just again not just in the bedroom, but that's in your personal life. That's your boundaries. That's your finances. That's your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, your belief about man on the moon, you know, little men that run around underneath the ground and are mole people. Those things are going to be easier to communicate if you just set those boundaries. There's nothing wrong with saying, I don't like that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I like that. The problem comes when other people say, well, I don't like that you don't like that. Well, then they can go. We're so caught up in trying to have everybody love us, everybody like us, everybody be enamored with our presence or being impressed with us that we forget that we have to impress ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to express ourselves. And, again, not just in the bedroom, but that's – it also does the guy the disservice of if he always gets off and he'd be like, yeah, you know, I know I'm doing it right. It's like, "No, no, dude, no, you're not. And that one woman that tells him, no, no, you're not, is going to blow his mind. Mm -hmm. Same with the opposite direction. Because if that person always gets, uh, like, that person, that woman, and we're talking heterosexual at this point, of course, but if that woman has sex with a man and always lets him get his way, the one guy that shows up and says, I don't want my way, I want our way, it's going to Blow her mind. It's over. It is over. And then all that's going to happen, my man, is uh, you're going to be standing there and pretty much. Down, down, down. Yeah, so pretty much that's what's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be standing there like that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) with that. The old clock on the wall is saying that uh, you're just about out of time. Any shout-outs this week, my friend? Um, the the parental units of mine have celebrated an anniversary. So happy, oh. happy anniversary to those parental units. That was a couple days ago. Um, next week on Tuesday, the second of second month of the year on the 22nd day of the year of 2022 with all sorts of cues involved. Um, I'm going to be on just, I'm going to be on Twitch with 
uh, Last Me Forever 24, and we're going to be playing It Takes Two. So there's a lot of... Play it, play it. If you want to join us. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. If you want to join us over on... Twitch. Right. Um, please do. And then other than that, I think that's everything. Question mark? Uh, so one more time. Happy birthday, Delaney. Oh, yes. Happy birthday, Delaney. Um, yeah, where are you going to be at on uh, Twitch? <laughs> on Lasting Forever 24's channel. Twitch! Twitch! Okay. So <laughs> just make sure we can put that out there. Make sure we put that out there for the folks. So, yeah, definitely uh, go on and enjoy. Um, and who knows, there may be in the next few minutes or days, you may even see me over on Discord, possibly. Possibly. We'll see. Uh, but, no, no shout-outs here. Hope that you all have a great week. Uh, like I said, um, page one, hashtag page one TOB for the turn of the bad for your nominations in uh, Sunday night. Uh, 411 Lounge, join me, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central. But uh, with that, have a great week, everybody. We will join you next Friday night here at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 o'clock Central. And, um, yeah, just try to have a great week and try to, you know, take care of yourself and each other and be good to your neighbors out there. And thanks so much again for listening. Have a great evening. You know, I told you people something a long time ago, and it's just as pertinent today as it was then. Ladies and gentlemen, take my advice. Pull down your pants and slide on the ice. Don't forget to get the latest show info on Twitter at News Comment BTR and add us as a podcast on Apple.